1: of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. In
2: 2019, the first Strange Realities Conference took place in Nashville, Tennessee. The pandemic and turmoil the following year could not stop 2020's conference from thriving in cyberspace as a live streaming event. Now, for 2021, the third annual Strange Realities Conference will combine these worlds into a paranormal hybrid event live in person in Nashville, and streaming online. Join us in exploring just how truly strange our reality can be with an interdimensional lineup of speakers presenting unique and intellectual perspectives on magic, mysteries, and the
3: paranormal.
4: Featuring Alan Greenfield, Dr. J. Michael Bennett, a.k.a. Dr. Future, Tim Benal, Soraya Ascath, Dr. Stephen Finley, Aaron Gullius, Amy Pachula, Brent Raines, Chris Ernst, Heather. Kiki Dumbrowski, Nathan Isaac, PD Newman, Steven Snyder, AKA Recluse, David Metcalf, Timothy Renner, Steve Stockton, and Bren Collier.
2: Tickets
4: available at Strange Realities Conference.com.
2: It's going to be amazing. Okay, welcome everybody to part three of our Strange Realities preview. Strange Realities Conference 2021 is coming up in a little more than two weeks and we are very excited and we are previewing every speaker that we have for the conference Um, is is going to be with us over the next uh, few weeks that we are gonna be doing this. So expect to see us live on uh, places on Facebook and also on YouTube as well. So I wanna introduce everybody Uh, First of all, we have Heather Mosier joining us.
3: Hi.
2: Hey, Heather. (laughs) And uh, Amy Petula is here as well. Hello. And Kiki Dombrowski.
5: Hi. Good to see you.
2: Hey, good to see you too. Um, (laughs) So what what we're going to do is we are going to talk about uh, what uh, y'all are going to be presenting at the conference. And... um, He he was at our conference last year at the virtual conference and you will actually be um, in Nashville this year and you are as of this moment getting ready to head out the door to go to Egypt soon. So we, (laughs) at the other end of that, you will be (laughs) after you're done touring the great pyramids. You'll be at SIR Nashville.
5: Yeah. Um, (laughs) yeah. I feel, I feel, I'm really happy that I'm leaving tomorrow. I had a long month and, um, I will be in Cairo at about nine ish Eastern time on Thursday. Hopefully if I get through, apparently like all the like COVID testing stuff is kind of weird now, like traveling, but Mm -hmm. we've been tested and vaccinated, but it's still a little wonky, but, um, I'll be there for the next two weeks. I get back on the 13th of October and then literally I'm going to hop on wow. another plane and, and I'll, <laughs> I'll still be buzzing by the time I get to strange reality.
4: Bring some of that fresh pyramid power back with you.
5: I will. No, I will. Yeah. yeah. The like, um, one of the final things we're doing is, um, a meditation inside the King's chamber, um, at the great pyramid. So, wow. um, I'll come back with all those good vibes. <laughs>
2: That'll be awesome. Oh, thank yeah, not,
3: you. Not, yeah.
2: <laughs> not quite as long a flight to uh, Nashville as to Cairo. So I think it'll oh, be okay as far as that is concerned.
3: Yeah. So thank
5: goodness.
2: What we're going to do is we're going to talk about the presentations. And I guess we'll start with you, Kiki. Um, what uh, are you going to be talking about at Strange Realities 2021?
5: Golly, that's such a good question. And I wish I had a really, really clear answer for you. But as we're talking... my presentation has been evolving, which is beautiful. Um, I am going to be doing a, um, presentation on tarot, um, specifically modern, um, esoteric themed tarot. So the Rider Waite Smith is, is my focal point, but, um, I will talk a little bit about Toth and maybe even the deck And I will be talking about the symbol of the gate and how it, Um, can be an access point to liminality both in tarot readings for tarot readers, but also for people who just, you know, need to conjure that liminal energy and that sort of otherworldly vibe in their life. Um, yeah, (laughs) that's what I got for you. Sounds great. (laughs) Cool. Thank you. I'm really, I'm, I'm so excited to be talking about tarot. Um, because it's, it's like my, my number one love. So, um, yeah, it's really interesting. When I started doing the research for this, I was like, I just want to talk about like, you know, specific cards. And then all of a sudden, there's there's this thing called gate cards. Um, it's a theory by a tarot author called Rachel Pollock, And she believes that there are certain cards that kind of like create an actual gate. Um, and so I talk about those cards in the presentation, but then I kind of go off and and share my own opinions on other cards that might be symbolic gates, um, not necessarily like just like a garden gate that opens up, but, you know, access points to something mystical. Cool. I hope so. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Are you going to be doing any tarot reading at the uh, at the conference?
5: I mean, I don't know. Do you want a reading?
2: <laughs> I mean, I would, i would, I'm I think the up for a tarot reading.
4: I think the conference needs yeah. a reading.
5: <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I probably have reading. cards near me. I'll bring my cards for sure. Um, I really wasn't planning on it, but I mean, I could teach people tarot one hundred and one, divination one hundred and one, read tarot, talk about gates and tarot, whatever. And if you guys want readings, like totally. Do you want me to pull a card for the for the conference? Yeah, sure. That'd be yeah. awesome. Right. Let's see what we get. I'm sorry, I'm leaning down because I'm grabbing my cards. Yay. This is fun. And it's funny too. I haven't opened up my cards for a few days now. Ooh, one just fell out. <laughs> those are the jumper cards. Whenever you get those cards that like fly out, you're like, "Okay, that must be the the answer." And we got the ace of pentacles. Uh-oh. So That to me is a really positive card. That's a really, you know, healthy, healthy energy. So I think that this event is going to be very successful. And I also think too, that um, it's going to be an opportunistic uh, event for both the presenters and for the two of you. And hopefully this will be a good money card as well. Um, (laughs) And this is actually one of the gate cards that I talk about in the presentation. And if you look here, I'm going to hold it really close see look at there's a little gate in a garden and mm-hmm. in the background there's mountains so well, um one other way to look at this, yeah and one other way to look at this too is i would say that the um event will be really beneficial for people who come because what's going to happen is is they're going to take all the information they know, and they're going to be led into new worlds, and probably led down new rabbit holes by the things that they, by the information they receive from um, the present uh, the presenters. So good okay. all around. That's a good yeah. card to fly out, right? Yeah,
4: absolutely. You just like flew out of the deck. it
5: better? I know that's so good. It's I so guess... much better than getting like oh the tower, <laughs> you know,
2: like or the, or the death card, right?
5: Well, you know, the death card wouldn't be bad necessarily it would just be yeah. a lot of uh transition and transformation for people you know i don't know if that's what they're coming to strange realities for that sort of um shamanic shifting i don't know
4: i think so that would be good yeah. but the ace of pentacles works very well
5: why not? Yeah, it's good all around good. It's a, it's a healthy card. It's a card of abundance. It's a card of opportunity. And I, I love that it is one of the gateway cards. It's somebody leaving the safety of the garden and stepping out towards the the mountains of knowledge, maybe even the mountains where the hermit resides. So people are okay. gonna get that wisdom they need that weekend. So whoever is watching, get your ticket and come join us and receive the wisdom.
2: That's right. Yeah. Get yes. your tickets, everybody. <laughs> tickets are available uh, online, $30 and in person for 70 if you, if you still want to brave it and come out to Nashville. So we are really pushing those online tickets. So you heard it here. So hopefully this is a self-fulfilling prophecy slash tarot reading from Kiki Dombrowski. <laughs> uh,
5: may I ask quickly, Heather yeah. and Amy, are you going to be there in person?
3: I will not. It's a, I I own Chattanooga Ghost Tours. It is a super busy weekend for me. So I'll be there virtually. Oh, well, I'm
5: glad that you're having a a super busy weekend. Chattanooga is the coolest. (laughs) We think so. Yeah. I really like it. (laughs) Awesome. Heather, are you going to be there?
1: No, I'm going to be online as well. Um, between, now, like this moment in that conference, I'm going to be in a couple different states traveling for small town monster stuff. So it's just going to be a lot all at once.
2: Yeah. So we should talk about we should talk about that, Heather, and talk about uh, anybody that doesn't know who you are. That um, Tell them what you do for small town monsters and let's talk about your presentation.
1: Yeah, so um, I am a researcher for Small Town Monsters. Um, and I guess for the, the a production coordinator, starting tomorrow when we get to Colorado. Um, so uh, yeah, just looking into the history and the folklore of things, finding witnesses for them to interview. Um, I'm the host of On the Trail of Hauntings, which is on YouTube. Um, and I got a show coming out next year. that's going to be called "On the." Uh, it's called "The Lure You Know," um, where I interview different folklorists and such. But um, my presentation is going to be going back to. Well, I'm also a classics professor, so going back to those roots a little bit, and uh, discussing moral panics, and specifically the first what. I would argue is the first one written that we have, like actually in historical text, the first moral panic, which was in 186 BCE. Uh, it was the persecution of the Bacchic cult by the Roman government. And then extrapolating the criteria that something must have to be categorized as moral panic from the Bacchic cult persecution onto the European witch trials of the 14th through the 17th centuries. And um, then through, like by the end of that, as we're talking about, the different categories that have to be met, then it, I think it kind of opens, it kind of opens your eyes to seeing when things are happening in present day society, whether that is a moral panic that's set into motion um, and kind of being aware of that because I mean, it's a panic. So just kind of calm yourself when those kind of things come out and don't get swept up in it because it can be bad and it can get deadly um, if taken too far. So yeah, that's right. what i are going to talk about.
2: And we see so, that again and again through history.
1: Yeah.
3: Exactly. So would the, the satanic panic of like the uh, the yep. late early 80s have qualified for that?
1: Yes. Yes. It absolutely would have. It did. It was a moral panic for sure. So
3: that overlaps a little with some of what I'm talking about.
1: Yeah.
6: Yeah.
2: And um, you were going to be, uh, well, you do like you like you said. You're the main researcher for the small town monsters. Um, yeah, Seth Breed loves, I guess I call it outfit, but it's a production company, which is really <laughs> awesome. And I should add too that uh, Heather was featured in uh, one of his latest films. He comes out. He's beginning to come out with films about as rapidly as. Uh, yeah. Nick Redford and comes out with books. So <laughs> one of his latest films he came out with was the Bell Witch, the one about the Bell Witch, which featured uh, Pat Fitzhugh, who's actually here in Nashville, mm-hmm. and uh, that was probably one of the best I think um, documentaries about the Bell Witch. You guys really awesome. went through it, and and Thank I think you he really did some great research on that. We were hoping you would come come to Nashville so you could, we could go to the cave. Gonna, the cave
1: isn't open, Tim, you know.
2: It's not open anymore?
1: It's not open this year. It will well, it shut down last year because of COVID, of course, right. and then they didn't reopen it this year either. So I don't know mm-hmm. if they're going to open it again or open it next year or not, but it's it's not open.
2: Well, after the conference, I'm, I'm going to take Benal up to um, – Tim Benal, I'm going to take him up to Adams. So oh, nice. There's, are some. What are some things that we should check out there?
1: Well, you should go to the Town Hall, which is the old uh, Bell School. It's Town Hall slash Motz's Restaurant slash, I think the last time I was there, there was a, like a beautician inside. It's in, they have their play there, which that also got canceled this year for the Bell Wish. But that school, there's a replica cabin with pieces from an original cabin, not the one from, like the one from the story, but that's all right behind the school. Uh, Bellwood Cemetery has some relatives buried there of the Bell family. Um, yeah. If you go to, if you go to town hall at the old bell school, which is about the main thing in center of town, uh, find out if Tim Henson is in there. Um, Cause he, he, there's a museum inside and if Tim Henson is there, he'll probably help you out. And, uh, I mean, maybe he might take you around or at least direct you to other places that normally you wouldn't be able to find. So he's super awesome. But, yeah, he runs the museum in there.
2: There's also the marker, too. Like, there's like a grave marker there, right? But it's not actually where he's they're buried. I think they're buried a little bit further down. But there's like an yeah. obelisk or something that's there. Yeah, that's, it.
1: that's at Bellwood yeah. Cemetery. That's just down the road. Where they're actually buried, which the original headstone has been stolen a long time ago, but that's on private property and would require having the right person with you to get there.
4: Well, Tim Benall can probably talk his way in.
2: <laughs> yeah, if anybody can. can. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh,
2: okay, yeah, Inter- interesting. Um, yeah, that I, I like that topic. I'm 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 very pleasantly surprised cause I didn't know what you were gonna what you want to talk about, but I think that's awesome. I, I've actually never heard of the Bacchic... Uh, well, I mean, I've heard of the Dionysian cult, but I've never actually heard mm-hmm. about moral panic in ancient Rome. So that's, mm-hmm. I think that's something that ties into uh, Kiki's uh, tarot reading, that people are going to be enlightened. by things yeah. I've never heard about.
1: So yeah. I'm excited to share it. It's not something that people talk about too much, but it's covered in Libby. Um, thousands of people were either murdered or um, imprisoned during this panic. So,
2: Yeah, wow. the see, cult was pretty serious. I mean, is it true? I'm sorry, I'm off on a tangent now, but is it true that uh, they would actually tear people apart when they got so like crazy, or is that kind of like propaganda
1: i mean uh, that that's something that was said i don't know for these were supposed to be secret cults so i don't know how much we would have actually like known known and it been out there but yeah there that was something that they said is that they would work themselves into a frenzy and uh just be completely ecstatic and rip things apart or people apart but i'm not sure how much of that was true so much as something that later was used against them when it came to the moral panic. Part uh, of it. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. You never know because it's so much of just like, I mean, I can make a analogy to something like the Knights Templar. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's so much of that, that, like all those confessions that were made under torture and all that, right. but you can't really buy. It's hard to buy into because you don't know how true any of that stuff really is.
3: Mm-hmm. When you get in the arena of mass hysteria, then things can just get way out of hand and crazy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure.
2: Which I I think that'll lead us a little bit because Amy, we had you on the show back in January. I think you were the second Mm -hmm. guest on this year. And uh, we talked about uh, the Corpsewood murders. and Right. I think that's going to be, I think you said that's going to be part of your presentation.
3: It is. Um, You know, I, of course, I I own Chattanooga Ghost Tours, and then I wrote The Corpsewood Manor Murders in North Georgia, as well as Haunted Chattanooga and The Ghostly Tales of Chattanooga. So I'm going to be talking about all those things. Um, Corpsewood is probably the one I get asked to talk about the most. So, you know, that may take up, you know, a little more of of the time because it's, you know, it was a fascinating case. You know, any I, I tell people it's the most bizarre true crime you'll ever hear. Anything weird you can think of—from the Church of Satan to a hand-built castle in the middle of the national forest to LSD to strange creatures—all in there, all true. Um, so, uh, so yes, I do expect to be talking about that. So I'm actually in my book. I have a whole chapter about the Satanic Panic. So that's why I was asking you about that, Heather. Yeah, um, because that you know. Around here, uh, one of the one of the victims was a a member of the Church of Satan. And so the case immediately got dubbed the devil worshiper case in uh, rural North Georgia where it happened. Of course, those are two entirely different things. Um, But you know, once people get something in their head and then, you know, as I said, especially back in the early 80s when this happened, when you had the whole satanic panic and everybody coming up with all kinds of wild accusations or whatever things just tend to uh, tend to really get out of hand. So uh, I can talk about that a little bit, but um, it it, it really has a lot of um, strange, bizarre elements in it. Um, I've got, let me find this right quick uh, photo. Uh, Can I share, can I do a screen share real quick or. or Yeah. yeah. So one of the things that, um, the case is famous for, um, one of the, one of the bizarre things that happened was, um, that one of the victims, Dr. Scudder, um, had done a painting, uh, let's see, two years uh, before his death. It was a self portrait. Um, I'm trying to do this sharing screen and I'm not sure if it's out oh, here. Let me do this. All right, let me put it on the right screen. There you go. Uh, two years before his death. Um, is it showing up on the screen now? Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, it should be. There we go.
3: All right. Well, um, anyway, you can see he's gagged with five bullet holes in his head. Well, that's how his body was found, and the murderers never saw or heard anything about the case. It's just one of, like, dozens of, of really bizarre things about this case. So, um you know, I practiced law for twenty years. This is my retirement job. It's much more fun. But there um, we go. Uh, I first heard about the case when I was practicing law. It actually made international news back then. And then when I started the ghost tour, I started hearing about it from an entirely different angle. So it's a it's it's a fun one to talk about either way.
2: Cool. Yeah, it is. And I I, I learned a lot uh, from your book. Um, I complete, met you completely by just like serendipitous chance too. It was funny. Um, so that was, it's an it, it's an incredibly interesting story. And uh, you've got some interesting theories about it too, which um, with that goes into Howard Finster and all that as well. So right. um, yeah, I tried to that, write
3: about those in the book, but the publisher made me take all that out. <laughs>
2: Yeah, and it was probably some and, and you, you talked about it on the episode uh, that we did with you, and you mm-hmm. can go back and listen to that because um, it's, uh, it's really interesting, and it's a, it's a really interesting theory. Um, what, uh, what are you going to be are, that's, that's going to be part of the presentation. What else are you going to be presenting about?
3: Um, I'm going to be talking about the, the ghost of Chattanooga, of course.: um, Perfect. And I'm going to be talking a little bit about ghost photography for whatever reason. And I don't claim to know why. Um, We get a lot of people get a lot of ghost pictures on our tour and I'm not just talking about orbs. Um, I'm talking about faces and figures and things like that. So I'm going to share some of those and also talk about a a few of the the things people think are, are paranormal pictures that really aren't, because we don't want to tell people, you know, yes, everything that you think is is a ghost picture really is because you know we we lose credibility that way. We want to make sure people have uh, some idea because I probably get people send me at least ten ghost pictures a week and and the vast majority of them at look and I just don't see anything. But um, but I, I want to do a little bit of explaining about that as well. Um, and you and I when we talked earlier today had talked. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I'm going to be talking about this. This during the conference, but I did. Uh, I did bring something specifically for Heather. I put in my in my pictures today. You want me to go ahead and show that, Adam? Sure. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let me go through this again.
2: Is this what we talked about or, uh, earlier?
3: Yeah, oh, the flat yeah, Road creature. Yeah. Um, yeah. We. Uh, our shop has always been sort of a, a curiosity shop. And when we had first opened the shop back in 2013, we actually had the Sugar Flat Road creature head um, in the shop uh, for for some months there. And Heather, I know that you were sort of on the on the lookout for it for a while. Um, the and for those of you who've never heard of it, it's actually a famous Bigfoot head. Um, <laughs> the the legend is that um, it was run over uh, by a fellow who was out on a date in the late 80s, um, and he. Uh, uh, decided to cut its head off in the shovel, with a shovel and put it on his mantle, which uh, until his wife had something to say about that. And that too could have something to do with the fact he was on a date, and not with her. But um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, after that, uh, he gave it to uh, the fellow who owned Cousins Antiques. They kept it in the shop there from, you know, like I said, late 80s until they went out of business in 2013. Uh, we leased it for a little while then. Uh, I know after we uh, gave it back for a while, it was on display at a, a state park there in Lebanon, Tennessee. Um, but the the really cool thing was, um, when I'd first gotten it, it was around the same time that one of the big bigfoot groups was super excited because they had gotten some uh, hair samples um, that uh, and I, and they didn't say where the hair samples came from, but supposedly bigfoot hair samples um that they were excited about the results and they were just about to share them i don't know if it was the the from from this one but this one does uh did share a lot shed a lot of hair so that may have had uh something to do with it it was a really cool thing to have in the shop for a while and before it left i did have a a couple of uh holograms made of it so we still have those in display in the shop even though we don't have the the head in there anymore
2: oh cool okay
3: But yeah it was it was definitely, a, a, you know, how many people can say that you have a, a Bigfoot head in your business?
2: <laughs> so was it, was it in the, because it used to be, we were talking about this earlier, but it used to be in Lebanon, just down the road from here mm-hmm. for like in an antique shop. And right, because was, was that, was that before? It yeah, that was before
3: them? I had it. They had it from okay. the, Cousins had it from the late eighties until they went out of business in 2013. And I had actually driven up just to see the head and there's this big sign on the door that says closed, but the head was in the window and they were trying to sell their their stock and stuff. So uh, they had a sign in the window that had their phone number on it. So I just called them up and said, Hey, you know, I'm interested in, in your Bigfoot head. I know that's not really the kind of stock you were talking about selling, <laughs> but, um, so we made some arrangements for me to, to lease it with an option to buy for a while. Um, we didn't have with option to buy. Okay. In, well, we didn't have as much interest in it as I thought that we would, like I said, I drove an hour and a half to see the thing. Um, yeah. so I couldn't really afford to, to buy it, you know, without getting the, the return on it that way. But, yeah. um, uh, yeah, if someone's interested in buying it, I can probably put you in touch with the
5: <laughs> with maybe
4: the Tim Banal.
5: I know. I bet Tim will want to grab <laughs> that creepy head. <laughs> um,
2: just to ask, <laughs> has anybody ever done any like research on it or tried like take the hair samples or
4: X rays, scientific
2: <laughs> stuff with it, or has it just always <laughs> been this kind of odd curio?
3: Well, like I said, I know that that you know the the Bigfoot scientific community had some of them were were excited because they just had some hair samples that had been analyzed, and I don't think they would have been so excited if they'd come back negative. Uh, Mm -hmm. But you know, beyond that, no, I don't know. It's fairly delicate. The you know the skin sort of feels like I don't know, sort of velvety right now, and and, uh, it it does shed. And I think that they're probably. are fairly concerned about just preserving it. So, uh, to my knowledge, there's not been any, any testing of it. Um, but that's a, that's a good question to ask. Well, Have you yeah. thought about buying it? Well, like I said, I did before, but it was, uh, it was too expensive, uh, for the, for the very little interest that we had in yeah. it for me to be able to afford it. So. Do you feel like going back now though? Or
5: are you like, maybe I'll give it a second thought? No, it was pretty expensive.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but it was cool to you know like i said it was really cool to have it while we did yeah that's so, awesome
2: <laughs> heather i gotta ask you since you're part of small town monsters yeah uh, what's your thoughts do you think that's a real bigfoot head uh, <laughs> an albino bigfoot
4: an
1: albino bigfoot right. i don't know i mean it looks cool i've i i do not know i I would want it in my shop, too, as far as that goes.
3: I don't know if you saw the little sign that was next to it. It was written by the guy who ran it over. It says, is this an alien? You know, why in the world someone would think it was an alien rather than a Bigfoot kind of baffles me. But, um, you know, the Yetis have been are supposedly white. So I figure, well, maybe, you know, maybe they can have some in North America that are white as well.
4: Yeah, maybe he's coming down for the winter.
3: Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Migrating. He looks
2: more like a Yeti than a Bigfoot. Yeah.
3: He was on his way to Florida. <laughs> He's a snowbird. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so you're basically going to talk, talk about what you do with uh, the Chattanooga Ghost Tours and the Spirit Photography. And, and mm-hmm. uh, Amy has some really cool pictures. She showed me some stuff uh, earlier today.
3: I, yeah, I've got some right here if you want me to to put those up for a, a little teaser for your audience or if you'd rather yeah, away just
2: one is fine. I mean, that's, that's, that's yeah, totally
4: fine. Thanks for sharing these.
2: Yeah.
3: All right. Let me, let me see. And, <laughs> let
4: me find I, wanted, <laughs> I <laughs> want to say
2: too that I, uh, I got to do the tour, um, back in June at the end of June. I remember when it was now and, um, uh, it's a really great tour. You put a guess really, you just take a little circle around Chattanooga I, did, I think I did the Murder and Mayhem tour. Murder and Mayhem maybe? tour, yes, yeah. I think you did. That's the one I did. So you've got like a couple of different tours, different types that you do.
3: hmm Now, this photo is from our, our ghost hunt. Besides our tour, uh, right now because of COVID, I have less guides, so we're only running our best tour and our best ghost hunt. The hunt's are more like the investigations that you see on TV with all the equipment. Um, and it, the one we're running goes through UTC's campus and down to Sinison Cemetery uh, for decades before we ever started the tour, the rumor was that Danforth Chapel inside Patton Chapel was haunted by a suicide bride ghost who'd gotten stood up at the altar and we've gotten photos over before, but I think this is the best ghost photo I've ever seen. I think this is amazing. I think it, I think she actually looks kind of like the, uh, the bride from all that jazz, you know, with the big headdress thing on. Um, and what really convinced me about this, you know, because sometimes we get people that are sending us photos where they've stuck in Slimer or, or there's there's one iPhone app um, that, you know, puts fake ghosts into your photos. But the thing is, everybody in the world who used that iPhone app to try to send us some fake photos always use this girl in a little calico dress. And I would always ask him, <laughs> well, did you take this photo or did a friend take it? And they'd say, oh, yeah, I took it. And I'd say, well, you know, this is actually looks exactly like the little girl in this iPhone app and then they, they changed their stories. Like, Oh yeah, my friend took it and sent it to me. Um, <laughs> but this girl, I looked on her, her Facebook page on some public posts that she had on her Facebook page, you know, cause she didn't know I was looking at it. And she was like not trying to say this is a ghost at all. She was like, you know, when she contacted us, she said, you know, uh, I'm sure this isn't anything, but I just thought it was cool looking. And, and on her, uh, her Facebook page, she was saying, you know, it's just hard for me to believe that that you know I got anything. So I'm going to go back there and I'm going to try to take some more pictures just to try to disprove it. And that's not that's not the kind of attitude of someone who's uh, who's faking. Um, so we were we were super excited about this photo.
2: There's actually a lot. am as I'm sure you're aware. There's actually a lot of stories about UTC.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I what, I remember some theater students telling me about. Um, someone being in the fine arts building Mm -hmm. which you would know what I'm talking about Uh, and they were practicing like they were practicing for something and they saw somebody like sitting in the it was completely empty and they saw Mm -hmm. somebody sitting in there Mm -hmm. and apparently they like asked them who they were they didn't get a response and they went and turned the lights on and there was nobody there. So Mm -hmm. that's like, that was one creepy story that I heard. And, um, I actually used to, um, work at the bookstore there when I was in college. And one time I was just like, you would, I would sit it for a couple hours at night. You'd sit there for people to come for the students to come and buy like different stuff. The rest of the bookstore was closed off. And one night i'm just sitting there nothing's really going on and i see something just like go right past my in my peripheral vision and like i could have sworn i like even went back to the back of the bookstore and was like looking around see if anyone was there that was a crazy that was kind of freaky Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of weird story stuff going on i think like any college campus is like that though
3: the the ghost that i just showed you the picture of um her name is Anna, and we know that because on our hunts we use a, an novelist and she tells us that all the time. But she's actually kind of a hoop. She's one of my favorite ghosts. Um, as you might expect from a ghost who got stood up at the altar, she will only talk to women. Um, she has more than once, when we've had a bachelorette party along on the tour, tried to talk them out of getting married. She asked for coffee oh, a lot. Really? She asks for coffee a lot, and there's a smell of coffee around a lot of times when she's pregnant. So. And my
2: <laughs> Well, this has been excellent. I really want to. Pre- I really appreciate the three of you doing this. Um, let me, for real quick, because I have it here. Uh, when everybody is going to be speaking, uh, Kiki, you are on Saturday. From this is, and for everybody that's out there, this is Central Time. Uh, United States, because we we do have some international people watching this. Uh, two to three o'clock is when is going to be speaking, and Heather, actually, you open us up on Saturday the sixteenth from nine fifteen mm-hmm. to ten fifteen in the morning, and nice. that's uh, that's good because that's like an, actually an hour later for you. So yeah, if you're on Eastern yeah. time, and. Yep. Um, so you, so you open us up with that and then Amy, you are 1230 to 130 Central time on Sunday the 17th.
3: right
2: So that's when you guys can tune in and you can hear and, and see their wonderful presentations. Uh, but if you miss it, uh, the good thing about us streaming live and doing this on the private Facebook Facebook group is you can go back and watch these presentations anytime. So um, we will start with you Kiki tell everybody where they can find your books. You actually have new editions of the book of one of your books out that you sent to me uh, and where they people can find you.
5: I hope you liked it. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Very (laughs) nice. Thank you for sending it to me.
5: Welcome. Um, A curious future is a book on divination and you could get it in at any large retailer. So you could go to Amazon or Barnes and Noble or whatever. And, and, and find a copy and I encourage you to check it out if you're curious about divination um, and just want to learn about different types of divination. Um, if you just want like a general way to reach out to me, just kikidombrowski.com, but I'm not very active on social media recently. Maybe I will be when I'm in Egypt. So if you want to see like pictures of my vacation for the next couple of weeks, you can find me on Twitter, kiki d
3: 333
2: Perfect. And uh,
3: Amy, um, anyone interested in the the ghost tour can go to ChattanoogaGhostTours.com, and uh, we have several pages on there that give you information about that. Our our ghostly encounters button is our, our blog page, and it tells about some of the things that have happened on the the tour and on the ghost hunt before. Um, and uh, there's one story on there that I don't repeat because every time I do something bad happens, but it talks about what I put in the shop two and a half days before the, uh, half the building fell down.
7: Um,
3: the, uh, as far as my books, um, I have, like I said, Corpsewood Manor Murders in North Georgia, Haunted Chattanooga, and then a children's version of that. Um, the ghostly tales of Chattanooga. And, um, as Kiki said, you can, uh, you can find them on, you know, any online re- retailer, you can get them on Google play, iTunes, uh, local bookshops around here. I was really excited when I, I, you know, moved about a year ago and I went to the local grocery store and they had my books sitting there. So, um, yeah. And, and of course we sell it at the, at the ghost tour as well for 20% off. So, um, uh, that's where you can find all of that.
2: Yeah. I can attest to that. Cause I did see them, um, several different places. And, My dad just had a copy. He didn't even tell me he had one (laughs) and Heather, where can people find you?
1: Oh man. Um, well, I don't have a book yet, but I, my goal is to be like Amy there. And when I walk into a store someday, see one of my books, (laughs) that would be so cool. Um, I have a piece actually in the feminine macabre volume one, which just came out earlier this year. And that, um, that article is about cursed objects, particularly, uh, and letters that accompany them, particularly from the bell, cave. Um, so I've written stuff on that and been in some journals, but no books yet. Um, but if you want to find me just personally on Instagram, you can find me at pagan historian, um, I'm on Facebook, just my regular name. But uh go to smalltownmonsters.com or go to YouTube and look at small town monsters. You'll find me on Paranormal Unexplained, um on the Trail of Hauntings, um, behind the scenes stuff. And um yeah, I mean, you said the Bell Witch, I'm in that, and on the Trail of UFO's Dark Sky, I'm in I'm in a couple of them, Mothman Legacy. So uh Yeah, Small Town Monsters. Follow them and you'll find me. (laughs) Are you still doing your podcast? Uh, Yeah, actually uh, Lady Anne has been doing most of the work on that lately uh, because a lot of stuff picked up for Small Town Monsters. Um, So I haven't been involved with that as much. But yes, um, the Caravan of Lore, the Caravan Library of Lore as well um, with Lady Anne. And I am a co-host on there so yeah
2: all right well thank you so much and uh amy and heather and uh kiki will be speaking uh in case you're just now tuning in at our strange realities conference in nashville tennessee and online october 15th through the 17th (coughs) we are happy to have them to be a part of it uh remember tickets are still available for in person that is seventy dollars but we are really pushing the $30 online ticket where you can just sit at home and watch at your leisure. So cool. thank you so much. And we will be back uh, about an hour and 15 minutes. Uh, we'll have Michael Hughes, Brent Rains, and Christopher Ernst. <laughs> us. All right, thank you so much, ladies. Thanks so much. Thank you. you. Thank you. <laughs> oh, good
3: to see Bye. you all.
7: Good to Bye. see you as well. Thank you. Bye. Bye.
2: Hello, everyone, and we are continuing on Conspiranormal Our Strange Realities 2021 Conference Preview Shows. And we have yet another set of three speakers. We had Kiki Dombrowski, Heather Mosier, and Amy Petula on earlier in the evening, and now we have Michael Hughes. And Chris Ernst and Brent Rains. And uh, Brent, uh, it's not too far away from us where we are here in Nashville. And all three of these gentlemen will actually be in Nashville. So we want to thank you guys for uh, doing this tonight and coming to speak at Strange Realities Conference. Nice so welcome. Welcome back, guys.
8: Right on. Looking forward to it. Thank you, Ben.
9: So,
2: Absolutely. So the purpose of this tonight um, is to kind of give a teaser about what you guys are going to be talking about. And we can kind of just uh, talk a little bit about, you know, a little bit about that or whatever kind of other kind of subjects, uh, just more real stream of consciousness type of thing. So and then we will also tell everybody what time you guys are going to be speaking. And um, we will, I guess, start with you, Mr. Hughes. Welcome back to the show.
8: Thank you. It's good to be back, and I am so looking forward to Nashville, especially being in the Dolly Parton room. Um, so that That's pretty exciting. I hear the pillows are very fluffy in the Dolly Parton room, so yes. looking for very much looking forward to and to seeing everybody, you know, as part of, like, I feel like I've been exiled, as many of us have, from mm-hmm. this community for, like, a long time, and I'm really missing conferences. I'm really missing hanging out at the bar with people. Uh, you know, just because that's where like the really interesting conversations take place. So uh, I am I am really psyched. Um,
2: well, SIR Nashville is even better because it's BYOB. So there's like a oh, fridge beautiful. in the All room, right. All so. right.
8: Well, the rooms, you know, room slash bar. You know, it's kind of the same thing. <laughs> <so>. The hallway. <laughs> and, uh, the hallway. Yeah.
2: For you guys that are staying in the in the uh, in the motel that we have, uh, you're gonna be right down the street from the Fiddler's Inn, which is world famous and apparently world famous in the conspiracy world as well,
8: as I understand it.
4: To site of MK Ultra mind control programming.
8: Yes. <laughs> oh man, well we well we can bring our fun there. We can bring some of our own mind programming.
2: <laughs> are you, uh, uh, Brent? Are you familiar with? Um, with the fiddlers in? And,
8: I am and not. Uh, I am not. Man, that's a, that you're, you're going to blow my mind with something <laughs> I could <can> tell.
2: <laughs> All right, guys. So, what we're going to do, we're going to talk about your presentations. And I guess we'll start with you, Mike. Um, what are you going to be presenting about?
8: yeah well i'm kind of uh rolling it all together now so i don't have an official name for it but what something that's really interested me for many years now um and i know it's touched a lot of our lives in 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 many different ways is conspiracy like um taking a look at the larger fortian paranormal anomalous world and how conspiracy culture became a part of that over the years like what made that link why is conspiracy culture kind of considered such such a you know kind of a vital part of this field and where you know if that makes sense like particularly with some of the you know some of the extremism and uh and things that we've seen in the past you know i'd say Five, ten years, even, um, you know, is is conspiracy culture? Is conspiracy lore? uh, Is that really part of um, of the larger stuff that we study? And maybe if it is, like, how do we how do we kind of disengage from the the kind of harmful elements? So you know, even though like I'm the guy associated with hexing Donald Trump, I want to make it clear like I'm not coming into this with like a political agenda. I don't even want to view conspiracies, particularly through a political lens, but just more like, you know, why has that sort of thinking become so deeply enmeshed in our community? When does it become harmful? Like how can we maybe as a community sort of monitor ourselves a little bit better and keep an eye on the harmful, uh, beliefs, the harmful ideologies that could turn into, you know, harmful actions, uh, and, and hurt people and hurt our society. So it's a lot, you know, but I'm going to talk about like UFOs and because I think ufology was like really a prime vector mm-hmm. for bringing conspiracies into, um, the, the larger paranormal Fortian sort of realm, so I'm going to look kind of closely at that. But also, there's a, uh, an experiment I've been doing where I'm I'm using YouTube because I think YouTube is like a real major vector for conspiracy thinking. It really pulls a lot of people into that sort of web. So uh, I, over the past several months, I created like a brand new fresh account and i'm just watching ufo related videos on youtube with that account and seeing like where that goes like where does the algorithm take you when you when you start watching oh man i'm interested in aliens and you wind up like hey let's go blow up some buildings full of jews you know like so so i'm really kind of seeing trying to in real time kind of get an idea of how that that kind of radicalization works.
2: Wow. Yeah. This is a big thing. Um, Sergio and I both just recently, I don't know. Did you finish the Sherry Schreiner yeah. documentary, yeah. the Viceland mm-hmm. documentary? I don't know how many of you guys have seen that, but that, that's well worth watching and pretty depressing. Uh, but, you know, it talks about how at the end, about how the algorithms on YouTube, of course, we're, streaming right now on youtube <laughs> ironically enough that um, you know i wonder if the algorithms are gonna split are gonna, gonna spit this one out but uh how the algorithms just continue to just give you what you want to see
4: but more than that the
2: reinforcement
4: the the more extreme stuff is the more right. engagement it has so it naturally mm-hmm. right uh, raises in the, the priority that the algorithm gives you
2: yeah because all it's seeing is just the engagement it's not looking at like the content or what even the content is even saying you just say like, oh there are eyeballs on the screen and that's what we want
8: mm-hmm. yeah it's definitely i mean social media has has uh you know it's done some great things for sure but just the the darker aspects of this kind of leading us by the nose with the algorithm and and the propensity to like pit people against each other and you know so i'm gonna i'm definitely going to talk about talk about all that stuff too because uh it's all part of the bigger picture you know why conspiracy culture which used to be really marginalized now like you know people's grandmothers are queuing on and stuff like that. So uh, right. it, it's, know yeah, it's, it's a cultural force and that's been largely enabled by social media. So I'll definitely be talking about like some of the science behind that, some of the research and all that kind of stuff too.
2: You know, um, we probably, I think we probably talked about this when we had you on last Mike, but um, we had Eric Davis on towards the end of last year. And I mean, that was a very eye opening, kind of, you know, eye-opening interview. And, you know, he kind of talked about how, because of the pandemic, we're all cut. Kind of, everybody's at home and everybody's got their eyes on the computer. So people have like entered into their own kind of chapel perilous state and also become radicalized as well. So it's like, that's why, you know, I think 20 years ago, your, your, your grandma would have laughed at me at this kind of stuff. But now <laughs> grandma is, um, Grandma has become radicalized. And it's just, it's, it's a funny, it's a funny state, especially for those of us that have been like studying a lot of this stuff for so long that there's been such a like there's been a seesaw thing going on. It's been everything is like the world is upside down. It's completely topsy turvy. Because now people that would never have believed this even five years ago, or any stuff of this kind of stuff five years ago, now are eating it for breakfast every
8: Right, I mean, it used to be, you know, you'd you'd see, you know, Bill Cooper, you know, books and stuff like that, and it was just marginalized. Now, like you said, you know, hearing it out of grandma about the reptilians and the New World Order and the Great Reset, you know, and all this stuff, and it's just like it's mind-boggling to see what was what I, and that's part of what I found appealing about it when I was a, uh, you know, when I was younger and I was really into this stuff, as it was a weird little niche you know you could kind of simultaneously explore it but not really buy into it you could find entertainment in it right. because it was just a weird little subculture but when when it became you know like 30 40% of the population you know that has like real ramifications it's not just this kooky little hobby you know that people laugh at the tinfoil hat jokes and all that i mean that everybody's got the tinfoil hats now um and it's 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 kind of terrifying
2: it's it's become mainstream and yeah you're right it's and it's become it's pushed beyond that to just like total like you said i mean total (laughs) radicalization
8: yeah so so that's that's what i'm going to talk about um Again, through you know, not through a political lens at all, but through just an uh, kind of the idea of like mind viruses. I'm reading a really interesting book now where a, there's a philosopher's kind of glommed onto that idea. You know, kind of Richard Dawkins talking about memes and things like that was where a lot of people think it originated. But really, Colin Wilson, the uh, the yeah. you know uh, the great Fortian occult chronicler. Now, he wrote a book called *The Mind Parasites*, uh, and and it's just, and that's where I first encountered the term, like many years ago. So it's kind of cool seeing that idea becoming, you know, part of actual like academic discourse and things like that. So it should, you know, I, I hope it's fun. I hope it's kind of provocative. It'll probably ruffle some feathers, but you know, that's that's what we're here for. You know, to explore the ideas. Like we want to explore the The fringe, uh, but in also exploring the fringe, we kind of have to kind of have to look at ourselves and what what our role is in the larger culture by by you know by being part of that fringe and and propagating the ideas of that fringe so my hope is it's really fun and uh and you know hopefully eye opening in some ways and maybe you know maybe cause a lot of us to, to think about our, our community and like what what is part of our community and the stuff that we either embrace or the stuff maybe that we like, we, you know, we don't want to touch that anymore. Right.
4: Much yeah. needed.
2: I think um, also we talked to uh, Heather Mosier um, earlier this evening and her presentation is actually going to be about moral panics. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's, that's going to be She's going way time. back
4: into Roman times yeah. and uh, wow early Christian. And then, um, yeah, so that's great. Sounds like a lot of Yes. Yeah, yeah.
8: Sounds like a lot of this stuff is dovetailing. So another reason I'm really excited to be there. I mean, I'm, I'm really stoked for the lineup and, uh, you know, so many interesting subjects, so much great stuff, great people. So Uh, i i'm in man i'm excited i wish it was tomorrow (laughs) and not today
2: right well if it was tomorrow we'd be freaking out right now
8: (laughs) (laughs) yeah Uh, you you got time
2: (laughs) so let's uh let's let's go over to you brent i want to know what you're going to be presenting about at our strange realities conference 2021.
9: well i'm gonna um i thought i'd start by kind of telling how i got into the field back as a 14-year-old, which has been a while, 54 years and eight months, you know. <laughs> It'll be nine months next next month. But, you know, it's uh, it's been quite a journey. And, and uh, of course, part of the Keel book I wrote, John Keel, who had a huge influence on the direction I took, you know, departing from uh, just the extraterrestrial theory that was popular when I got into it, still is pretty popular, but, you know, uh, I got interested in, in the contactee experiences, the psychic phenomena, and all of that. began to explore it firsthand, and and even uh, saved up my money and 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 uh, spent the road, you know, on the time on the road back in 75, 76, and seventy seven, just traveling from Maine to Florida and uh, kind of zigzagging my way down the coast into Indiana and Ohio and places, and, and here I am still in Tennessee now. Many young ladies given me information on on uh, sightings in the area and ended up uh, getting married. I'm originally from from Maine. I'm a I'm a true maniac. See, <laughs> 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 but uh, yeah, it's 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 uh, it's been an interesting journey. I mean, it's opened a lot of a uh, lot of doors. You know, in my life, I've it's expanded my perception of a lot of things. I uh, I uh, got very interested in in in, in a lot of what Keel was was saying and writing, and uh, and so I felt compelled to write the the book that I did. You know, exploring all these different threads and seeing where they might lead me. And um, and you know, he mentioned about uh, I asked him back in '71. Uh, I think I was 19 at the time. You know, I wanted to do this. I wanted to do what you're doing. You know, get out there and interview people and try to understand it better. And uh, he recommended I uh, study. Uh, a book on apparitions, which I went out and bought. By a parapsychologist named Terrell, and I uh, also studied Marian apparitions and things, which he and, and Jacques Vallée were also studying and looking at the comparative elements. You know, and uh, and one of the uh, I came came really good friends uh, for about 37 years until his passing with a, a psychiatrist that uh, was a good friend of John Keel, Dr. Berthold Swartz, and uh, he you know, wrote a book called, uh, UFO dynamics. And, uh, so anyway, I met him a couple times and we ex- shared ex- you know, extensive correspondence when I was traveling around, uh, the countryside interviewing people. He was, uh, on the other end telling me, well, oh, go see Earl Neff up in, you know, near Cleveland, Ohio, go, uh, go here, go there. Uh, I ended up staying with a family down near Cincinnati that he had visited, you know, that was, uh, having UFO sightings and, uh, uh the housewife was even reporting a silver-suited uh, humanoid figure materializing in the home. Uh, unfortunately, I I never encountered him, but it was <laughs> uh, they allowed me to use their home as kind of a like a way station. And uh, Dr. Swartz, a psychiatrist who uh, was you know uh, very interested in all of these things, had been studying initially things in, in the field of parapsychology, and he became acquainted with John Keel, who said, uh, "Well, we need you in this field, you know, to." Uh, study UFO phenomena because there's a lot of psychic elements being reported there. So so he did. So anyway, from there, I mean, I I got interested in uh, the fact that Dr. Swartz felt and and other people like Brad Steiger and, uh, of course, John Mm Keel felt that a lot of uh, our contactee experiences were telling real stories and that what they were experiencing was psychic a lot of times and and mediumistic. And so... Anyway, uh, that's that's been my journey to try to... And I showed you uh, one of these whistles here from, you know, uh, Peru. The uh, They're made by the Chimu culture. These were pre-Columbian. This, however, is a functional replica, but I mean, I became interested in uh, what shamans did, you know, and their experiences with uh, strange beings from other realms and such. And so I, I felt like uh, I'd also... Uh, at the uh my talk i would also blow the whistles at the beginning and we can get us in the right uh shamanic frame of mind perhaps to explore these things a little a little deeper but i'm all over the place so yeah what can i say
2: <laughs> sounds great yeah, you should definitely do that all As right a way to inaugurate the uh i mean um last year joshua cutchen played a didgeridoo I called it a last <laughs> Yeah, you yeah. said it right. And so, ah, so, was, so you, so you might as well, you might as well play that.
9: Okay, well, what we might do is uh, give some, uh, someone uh, selected from the audience, uh, lucky person, uh, to have a sound bath. You know, get them right in between some whistles, and that's ah, the most powerful. Nice, cool. cool. I like really, kind of yeah. send them into the ultimate <laughs> dimension. You
4: know, <laughs> absolutely. Well, we're happy to have you back. Uh, well for I'm the happy second to year to in a row.
9: Back. I'm you know, looking forward to it.
2: This is the second year um that Brent uh, is going to be with us. Um, the first year um I'd actually had already had the lineup uh set and uh didn't know about Brent and he uh, reached out to me, but uh I he came and he um we actually recorded an episode with him. Right before we did that first conference, and then mm-hmm. put it out right after, and you came and you sold some books. I, ho- I hope you sold some.
9: Yeah, and, I did. Yeah, um, I think it was about five or six. I did good. <laughs> you,
2: you you were up there with the uh, the question and answer session at the end of the night mm-hmm. as well. So we did get you up on stage, and uh, we're you
9: know and I, happy to have and, you. I was I was very impressed with that that first conference and you know getting to uh, to see all the different views that you don't see at other conferences you know where it's uh, so much is explored and, and not just you know and also the fact that we could be on so many different uh, looking at so many different things and trying and you know trying to connect what we could together but also that nobody got into any fights or anything. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Very polite and, and cordial. <laughs> you know, some of these UFO conferences, they get a little violent sometimes. <laughs> See that oh, makes yeah. me
2: think. That makes me think, Brent, that you actually have a story where you witness something like that <laughs> at a UFO conference or some kind of paranormal conference.
9: Well, I know that people could get rather emotional. I remember John Keel uh, saying that in in 1948 uh, he was at a uh, a meeting. In New York City, it was a small room with about 40 people, and uh, he remembers that they were all arguing as to whether the government was censoring this flying saucer stuff or or not, you know? And he says very little has changed.
6: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yep. I think Tim Banal's ready to start some fights.
9: Yeah.
4: (laughs) Maybe there'll be some fights in his presentation, which I think is uh –
9: well, maybe he'll keep it over in the bars. <laughs> right, right, right. right.
6: Tim, Tim's fights are uh, emotional fights. Yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't seen that yet.
2: <laughs> well, it, um, it, it will be an experience, I'm sure. We, yeah. we, all, we, we all know that. Well, we are definitely happy to have you, Brent, um, and, and be a well, part of this. Um, you um, are going to be uh, speaking on Sunday, I'm gonna pull it up here at 1:40 uh, to 2:40 Central Time, and that is uh, mostly saying Central Time for the benefit of our people that are gonna be watching this online. Yeah, uh, everyone else, everyone else vote that that is there, obviously, will will see it at that time. So,
4: and if you're international, just Google Central Time United States because
2: we don't know. Yeah, we're actually going to have, I think someone is actually going to be listening, is actually going to be watching in Australia. Awesome. So, yeah. So, just to reiterate that, since we are streaming this on a private Facebook group, um, these presentations are actually going to be saved, and you can actually go back and watch them if you miss something. So, yeah, Mr. Ertz, let's talk about your presentation. We actually got a bit of a sneak preview of this uh, a few months ago.
6: Absolutely. Yeah, it's going to be similar. Um, so a few months ago, I came on uh, and <clears throat> I talked with um, uh, uh, you. Well, Surfe, I'll talk a little bit about his background um, uh, in uh, LDS. Is that correct? Did I say? No, in, 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 no it's not LDS. R- God, R-LDS. See, I always mix it up. Uh, no, it's Mormons, just Mormon, right? Yeah,
4: Uh R L D S is like Mormon light
6: mormon light okay all right uh and i talked about sorry see i'm I'm completely uh uh, misconstruing uh the background (laughs) that you came from uh but you talked about your background in uh, a a strange religious upbringing let's say strange spiritual upbringing uh and i talked a little bit about mine um uh my parents were uh followers of the uh 60s guru where at least most people know him as a 60s guru meher baba uh And uh, the interesting thing about um, him that I came to know later uh, as an adult, sort of going back and looking at a lot of the um, uh, literature and really, uh, you know, a voluminous amount of um, uh, recordings of his life, uh, a lot done by Westerners, uh, a lot of Europeans, um, uh, and the early part of his life... um, You know, it wasn't just sort of like Osho, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, Maharishi-type guru. Uh, It was very strange stuff that he was involved with, particularly prior to World War II and including World War II. And the only other person I think that uh, has sort of talked about this from an occult standpoint um, is uh, Paul Weston. uh, People are familiar with Paul Weston, sort of the the, um, uh, sage and historian of Glastonbury, as it were. Uh, and so, what I'm specifically going to talk about uh, is the idea of the sort of <laughs> the trope of secret chiefs and how uh, what um, within the sort of teachings of Meher Baba, which are like the the best way to describe it is the mo- they're the most recent uh, teachings of a lineage that um, whoops uh, that goes back quite a bit further and is this really interesting blend of um sufism and uh hinduism and sort of general mysticism and so you know for anybody that's not familiar with what i mean by secret chiefs this is you know uh we can go back uh probably further than blavatsky but let's go back to theosophy and ha- uh, helena blavatsky and you know these uh, supposed tibetan masters or mahatmas that she was speaking with um which many people say, were simply her. Um, uh, uh, From then on, you know, as Theosophy sort of grew, Ledbitter and Bailey called them the Masters of Ancient Wisdom, and then you have Guy Ballard and Elizabeth Clare Prophet uh, called them Ascended Masters. Uh, Crowley even, you know, was essentially, you know, having experiences with similar sort of Ascended Masters. Dion Fortune called them the Esoteric Order. Uh, Gurdjieff Mentioned that he some of his teachings came from, uh, you know, the universal brotherhood, uh, which some people believe with were the uh, uh, uh sarmong, uh, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, brotherhood, and then even the nine, um, uh, you know, uh, the nine, the capital nine, um, all of these, you know, are kind of similar tropes and uh, mythologies of the secret chiefs or ascended masters, um and most people are familiar with the ones that I've mentioned, but there actually is one that comes from, uh, the Meher Baba, uh, lineage too. And it involves certain other masters that are actually quite well known in India, um, such as, uh, Sai Baba of Shirdi, who people should not confuse with, uh, the more recent Afro Satya Sai Baba, who is a pederast of some sort. (laughs) Um, and, uh, um uh these other other people uh that there's you know these sort of separate uh historical lineages of saints um uh within India and the Middle East uh and so it's but it's a very specific um you know hierarchy and uh there's all these accounts uh from these different um uh westerners uh prior to World War II and even after of you know going on these journeys with Meher Baba and uh you know basically you know meeting these weird people who were said to be agents and part of this larger spiritual hierarchy that is essentially another secret chief's you know mythos uh so i'm gonna present all that information because it's pretty voluminous and it goes into a lot of detail about like you know who think who people are and numbers of things and stuff like that uh and i find it quite interesting because if you compare it to um uh, really the, the, the same kind of current of the secret chiefs that you have been, uh, I guess you could say recycled <laughs> or arguably recycled since theosophy. Um, it's, it's similar to that. And, uh, you know, I, I have not done the research or at least in the research that I've done, I haven't found any sort of, you know, connection from the 1800s. But, uh, you know, there, you know, very well could have been uh, you know this could be the source for that, or this could be something which is completely separate that you know uh, you know are coming up from different cultures and stuff like that. but regardless, it's a really interesting uh you know esoteric hierarchy um and uh definitely, I think for anybody that's interested in you know theosophy or uh, this idea of secret chiefs or ascended masters, it should be pretty interesting
2: well. Wow fascinating and i think that's going to be really great considering we also have alan greenfield capping the night off That yeah um, that you're going to be yeah. speaking
6: uh, yeah well it's of- it actually funny I, when i was listening to the uh the interview that you did with uh professor finley i was thinking about how similar it, it is in many ways mm-hmm. like he's sort of kind of breaking apart you know the nation of islam and talking about you know this sort of these these not hi- well, hidden you know um uh, uh influences that are uh, behind there. And I think it's interesting, you know, I wonder how many of these uh, like 20th century spiritual figures you can kind of, you know, find uh, much stranger backgrounds for than, you know, previous, previously understood. But yeah, Greenfield, of course, too. I mean, that's the other, you know, he's the master of the Ascended Masters.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, were, Chris, no, no,
6: no. That's, that's, do you, that, doesn't, that doesn't work.
2: So is, is that... Um, I, I can you basically what you're saying is that you have this this Eastern tradition, but this ascended master tradition is kind of the Western esotericism, uh, right? Interpretation of that, yeah.
6: But you know, unlike uh, Gurdjieff or um, uh, the Theos, you know, any of the people from Theosophy, who are, you know, many people are the you know, have said it's, well, and I think that the arguments are pretty valid for there being some, you know, um, uh, tomfoolery in there and some trickery as always seems to happen with anything. I mean, uh, (coughs) George Hanson, trickster in the paranormal, um, you know, so, uh, uh, so there's that, but there's also, um, and this is freely out there for people to find themselves. It's just that I know about it because, I was involved in it when I was a kid, and, you know, my family's kind of part of the uh, American, uh, like, from the the 60s wave of people, they're part of, like, the inner circle, so on, you know, so to speak, like, uh, you know, I've met a lot of the, um, uh, I've been to India a couple times and met a lot of the people and interviewed them and talked to them and stuff like that, people that are uh, still around, Um, uh, is that, you know, there's this documentation of essentially like being with some of these Ascended Masters and these odd machinations that they're doing. So, you know, traveling around, meeting different people, uh, you know, doing these, you know, really odd things. Um, like the, for instance, the presentation that, or the presentation, you know, when we, we talked the uh, that first time that I was on the show uh, and Serfiel was talking about his upbringing um, and I was talking about mine, I specifically talked about these, um know, uh, and I think I did this on one of our, the private Patreon um, uh, zooms. I had a presentation on uh, these uh, uh, figures called musts uh, in India, which are essentially um, they're like uh, uh, um, super powerful yogis uh, that have all of these uh, powers, cities, um, but they're kind of lost. They're like spiritually intoxicated is what they're called. And uh during World War Two, um, this is actually what Paul Weston talks about uh too, because uh, there's this interaction with his father, who was a World War II soldier and these weird experiences he had uh um in India with uh some gurus, is that uh, uh Meher Baba uh was essentially going around like this uh uh you know, hermit and all his, you know, sort of some of his um group were following with him, and he was making contact with all of these ostensibly crazy homeless people that live in different, um, you know, cities around uh, India and in Southeast Asia and uh, uh, would do what appears on the outside to look like uh, ceremonial magic with them. You know, he would go into a cave. They would be in there for 40 days fasting. Uh, you know, there are accounts of people, you know, these, these guys leaving the cave after doing this meditation work and somebody touching them and, like, having an electric shock blowing them back, like a fuse, you know, hit them. So a lot of the, you know, for anybody that's familiar with, um, I guess, Eastern occult uh, practices, um, uh, Tantra, and I don't mean Sting having sex, you know, for (laughs) 40 hours with Trudy Styler, uh, and I don't mean Sting the wrestler. I mean, Sting. (laughs) East yeah um uh yeah all all of these you know so the 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 which is essentially you know magic um uh uh from you know uh, the western and uh, eastern magic um uh yeah so it's 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 re- it's really pretty interesting and i think that's the difference there is that there's this sort of more recent um uh, uh these more recent accounts from uh, all these people you know uh of these pretty interesting uh stories things happening
2: one of the concepts that I found absolutely fascinating that we talked about in that interview with you was this whole idea that some of these guys are responsible for like profound world changing events. Was it Sai Baba who was supposedly responsible for world war one? I? I still right. don't quite understand how <laughs> yeah. he was responsible for the direction of it or something. I don't, I don't,
6: so that's, you know, part of the cosmology of this is that, you know, if you get really deep into it, and this is a little bit like, you know, jumping forward to, uh, uh, what is it, OT-8 and telling you about Xenu. But um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, if anybody gets that reference, uh, it's a Scientology reference there. Well, um, the, yeah, Xenu's no, the, appearance, there is Right, right there. there's Xenu, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I don't mean this, you know... Uh, I I don't mean this, uh, this, I I am throwing no shade upon this um, uh, uh, outlook on cosmology because the F to find know, I mean, it could be very well true, is that essentially, you know, uh, these Ascended Masters are controlling the universe. Like this is, you know, like deeply, you know, uh, um, uh, uh, the deepest Jack Kirby stuff. Like these are Ascended Masters that are controlling the universe on the subtle planes behind the scenes. We don't understand any of it. Um, and yeah, they appear in our world as essentially, you know, these, um, like yogis or fakirs or, you know, um, I'll, some other stuff too. Like I'll, I'll, I'll reserve a little bit of it for the, um, you know, the presentation, but you know, there are these, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, so it's, it's uh yeah i mean it go, it goes pretty far out there, I think, for anybody that really wants to follow it uh fully like it is a it is a complete and deep cosmology um uh that goes beyond just this sort of spiritual hierarchy there's you know quite a bit I could do, probably several several presentations and all the the stuff that i found um, which is really interesting because you know as a kid i didn't really think about this uh you know much it was just that was, was just what my parents did there's no dogma involved in it uh the best part about it is that i ended up you know getting to go to india a couple of times and you know uh i was smart enough when i went as a you know late teenager um uh that at that point you know i was interested in i mean i'd been interested in 40 and stuff since i was like a little kid uh in the library looking at weird books um uh in the occult section. But uh yeah, so like when I went over there, I was able to interview a few people and get some of their stories and stuff like that. Um uh and started making some of these uh connections uh so it's uh it's it's funny to it's funny to see because yeah most of this nobody's really nobody's really found this out That's yet uh, uh but I'd say it's interesting as you know Life of Gergiev for Inyat Khan or something like that.
2: And, and just to point out, we don't want to dog Scientology too much because we're literally going to be right next door to the Church of Scientology in Nashville, I, yeah. the
4: Nashville Celebrity Center. So sure, if you want to I'm free personality make, test <laughs> is well. Yeah, I'm over. not.
6: I, I'm not. Right. I'm, I'm not saying that Xenu isn't behind things. I'm just saying. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Speaking of uh, this, jogged my memory, Mike uh, about. Sting. wasn't there some kind of weird synchronicities where you were seeing yeah. Sting everywhere yeah and
8: it, it had nothing to do with uh with him and Trudy uh, getting <laughs> on either uh, uh, called
4: synchronicity <laughs> yeah
8: yeah, right. yeah we well do. it was really weird no it was just one of those um, strange kind of pop culture synchronicity things that haunted me for <laughs> years I mean it was uh, and it was sting you know and to the point where it got so ridiculous other people were noticing it Uh, the example i give is i i i would get in a car with a friend turn on the radio and it's sting okay that's not so crazy but then we'd go to a grocery store and we'd walk into the grocery store together and we'd listen to the music and it was sting and then walking down the so
2: did it count if it was the police
8: um, I, I would say that it did, it if it was, Sting, if it was music, Sting yeah. Solo yeah, Sting, you know, Sting is the police, you know, he's like the face of the police. So yeah. But in the, so we'd be in the grocery store and, and my friend would go, Do you catch this man, you know, it's Sting. And we'd laugh and then we'd walk around the aisle and there would be a magazine on the floor open to a picture of Sting. And, and that's not an exaggeration. Like this stuff was making me nuts. And so I really, like, at one point I thought, should I, like, write him or email him somehow, find his agent? But then I think he'd be, who is this freak, you know? But but I I really had to wonder if he was doing some kind because he was into weird stuff, if he was, like, broadcasting psychically somehow. And <laughs> for some reason I was just tapping into the signal or whatever. But And I was never even a huge sting fan. Like, I liked the police enough, uh, but... But Sting was not like you know a hero of mine or any you know, but but it was it was inescapably weird for years. It the just ori- the kept happening. Comes on and on. TV. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, that I would you know I'd write this stuff down because I had like a synchronicity journal back in the day when so I would just get hit with these waves of synchronicity. But the Sting themed synchronicities were just overwhelming, like ridiculous to the, it's absurd. I mean, I feel, I feel ridiculous talking about it, but it, it, it was, it was something that happened. So I, similar to the Simpsons. I mean, I had ridiculous over the top synchronicities involving the Simpsons to the point where a lot of times I would sit down to watch the show and I would just be like, okay, what's coming this time, you know, and <laughs> just, cri- just mind bogglingly weird, to the point sinks, like not, Oh, I could kind of interpret that. Maybe no, these were just like jaw droppers. So whatever, you know, maybe the Simpsons writers and sting were doing ayahuasca together or something. I don't know. <laughs> Broadcast this beam or, uh, you know, we could talk about that at the conference. <laughs> S-
2: sting was performing some Tantra somewhere close to Baltimore <laughs> and it just it's just this concentric rings is broadcasted. Uh, somehow. Entire...
8: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Sorry, to, I mean that is a weird. That's you know that's about as ridiculous <laughs> as it gets. But but it was real. I can't I can't deny that something strange was happening there.
2: Yeah, yeah. You, I've I've had those same kind of experiences, not quite to that extreme, but like you once you. It's like once you are hyper aware of something, then you notice it everywhere, and it it can, it can be crazy, and it can really mess with your head.
8: Yeah, but but that's the thing, you know, especially with synchronicity. Like I'm the I'm the first to say, well, that's that's just a coincidence, or whatever. You know, I try to check myself because I know how easy it is just to be hyper aware, confirmation bias. So for me, if it's going to be a synchronicity, so to speak, it has to be kind of a whopper, you know, it has to, it has to have elements to it that, that aren't easy, just, you know, squishy, it has to be like, holy crap, you know, like, that was, that was weird. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, and I believe kind of, you know, we all have to do that, because otherwise, you just start, you know, you start, you know, moving down the road to schizophrenia, you know, where you, everything, you coordinates with everything and you know that's that's not good none of us want to go there
2: any weird kind of synchronicities like that for you Brent? have you had any kind of strange stuff like that happen usually
9: they're you know i've I've had some but usually they're they're good nothing with uh you know those characters (laughs) 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 usually kind of lead me somewhere you know meeting certain people or or being at the right place at the right time Sometimes I'm at the wrong place at the wrong time, but, you know. <laughs> right. right. But, yeah, there have been a lot of positive uh, synchronicities that I've had. And, uh, I know Tim Beckley wrote a book that uh, detailed all kinds of synchronicities that he had during his lifetime. Uh, yeah. But I don't know that they were all always positive. But the theosophy thing um, kind of reminded me uh, of uh, – the early contactee movement there was supposed to be a lot of influence like that in the background. And I know, uh, mm-hmm. uh, hack and uh, from my, in my interview, I did for my keel book. He, he, uh, referred to, uh, um, how he felt there was, you know, there was something that the people of theosophy were introducing, uh, maybe even actual craft that we call flying sauces back then mm-hmm. and, uh, causing some of the people who later became contactees, uh, And I was telling him about a uh, a Brazilian uh, general that I was a contactee that I had uh, become acquainted with uh, his granddaughter. Telling she was telling me about her experiences, and turned out he was also like a psychic medium, and uh, um, he was also a member of that organization. Mm -hmm. And then I found out from Hackham that there was another one related to him uh, overseas that was you know. And I thought, man, there's a whole network going (laughs) on here.
6: Well, Uh, I always think that it's it's you know. Really strange that people don't mention, and I think some people do mention the fact that Whitley Strieber has been practicing Gurdjieff Fourth Way since far before his that the the communion contact, mm-hmm. and you know, in particular, has been doing these um, uh, sensing exercises, which, um, uh, yeah, it's are very very much. Um, uh, uh, it's a type of, uh, you know, uh, meditation, uh, if not pranayama of some sort. Yeah, that's interesting.
2: Very much so. Um, there's so much we could we could get into. Um, but I to, real quick tell everybody when Mike and Chris are going to be speaking, and that's going to be Saturday, the the 16th of October. Chris, you are. 310 to 410 Central Time. And Mike, you are 420 to 520.
8: Uh oh. You guys, guys don't be looking 20. for this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so what, leave, leave a couple minutes in case people have to step outside the, yeah. the hotel. What are you uh, gonna to start
2: your presentation with at 420? <laughs> <laughs> I mean we're gonna I mean Brent is gonna have the, the, whistle. have the whistle. <laughs> <are you> <laughs>
8: Yeah, I don't know what the uh, medical <coughs> marijuana laws are in uh, Nashville. There are none. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get you some uh, CBD. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll have. Mm. Okay. Good to know. Good to know.
2: And again, Brent, uh, he is 140 to 240 on Sunday the 17th. So
9: um, let's. And go mine, back. Are in, mine are in natural highs, so there won't be any after.
8: There will be no contact. Mine are natural too. <laughs> contact
2: buzz. Uh, Let's start. Thank, uh, you, thank you, Acoustical. <laughs> Mike, uh, let's start. With everybody tell where you, um, your, your websites, um, books, any of that stuff that you guys want to plug. Uh, Mike, uh, let's start with you.
8: Okay, sure. Yeah. Um, you can find all my stuff at michaelm, as in michaelhughes.com. Um, wow, it looks like my camera suddenly got blurry here. Uh, or maybe it's just my eyes. Uh, so it's MichaelMHughes.com and any social media it's just Michael M Hughes. So like Twitter, Facebook, all that sort of stuff. My book. This is my latest book, Magic for the Resistance: uh, Rituals and Spells for Change, that came out 2018. And uh, but I also write like uh, kind of Fortian themed supernatural thrillers and stuff like that. I have a trilogy called the Blackwater Lights trilogy. And if you like all this weird spooky stuff that uh, y- you might like, you might like that as well. So.
9: Awesome. Excellent. Um, uh, Mr. rains Well, um, I'm prepared to Here's here's my first book from 2004 <laughs> visitors from hidden realms. It's got a lot of uh, material on UFOs and ancient uh, mysteries and shamanism, uh, and, and the Peruvian whistle and v- vessels are also mentioned in there. 2004, my, uh, um, uh, on the Edge of Reality, which uh, Tim Beckley actually published, uh, which is really a series of interviews that I previ- previously published in uh, my magazine. And, uh, of course, my John Keel book uh, in 2009. Awesome. Uh, telling how I got interested in all of this uh, high strangeness and uh, uh, Keel's influence on myself and others. I interview people who knew Keel. And, uh, of course, I edit Alternate Perceptions online magazine, which uh, – at one time, we were actually a, a print publication until the, the internet came in and took over things, so we <laughs> migrated to the internet. But uh, anyway, it's apmagazine.info is the, the link, and uh, you know, it's always, we always welcome uh, people to come in and browse around. And we have a, a monthly issue that comes out on the first of each month, and uh, archived uh, previous articles there too, and interview features, uh, columns, regular uh, uh, book reviews and, and letters to the editor and various articles.
2: Yeah. You should check it out. Uh, Brent's got some great interviews on there that he does. I mean, basically it's a, it's almost like a podcast in and of itself. So, uh, and Mr. Ernst,
6: yeah, well I usually uh don't do uh books or anything like that or speak like this. <laughs> um uh, I usually make movies. Uh and you can find those at brightrectangle.com, dot com. Uh which uh you know feature things like Adam Go Rightly. Uh so uh they're they're in the wheelhouse of I think most people that are watching this. Uh, and then you can also sometimes find me and uh co hosting Where Did the Road Go when I have time. Yes.
2: And uh, I'll, I will be appearing on Where Did the Road Go Soon. We did a
8: recording last week, so just guys uh, watch out for that as well. Um, could you could you repeat the the website, the Rectangle website? Yeah, it's, it's uh,
6: a Bright Rectangle. Bright Rectangle, okay, gotcha. rectangle brightrectangle.com. Yeah, and that'll take you. If you want to stream any of the films, I think they're still on Amazon and such. Yes, absolutely. Excellent. It's highly recommended.
8: Yeah, highly recommended. Um, and we are, but we're Baltimoreans. Is that correct, Chris? You're, I am. Yeah, I'm, I'm more recent.
6: Well, I'm more recent than you. We, we, yeah, we came down here for a, a for a faculty job. Um, okay, about, gosh, about six years ago. So oh, I'm not nice. super okay. new, but it still for oh, me nice. feels new. Yeah.
8: Well, well, I can't believe I haven't run into you yet, but we'll have to fix that. Absolutely, we'll
6: do that. Absolutely. Right
2: all right gentlemen i want to thank you for being a part of this uh we are going to be back we'll we'll for the uh, podcast audience we will come back and close out the show but uh we're going to close this section out um remember guys strange you can uh, come to nashville and see all these guys live or you can also for that's for 70 dollars, or you can stream uh for 30 dollars um so we we highly recommend um whichever way you guys are going to get this information these are going to be some powerhouse presentations from these three gentlemen i'm really looking forward to it all right october 15th through 17th strange realities conference.com get your tickets bye goodbye <laughs> all right guys welcome back to the show we're gonna just like briefly close this out give you guys the usual spiel on. uh What is going on and what we're doing Uh, That was a great couple of sessions With uh, first Kiki Dombrowski Amy Petula and Heather Mosier And then of course Chris Ernst Michael Hughes And Brent Rains So we're glad to have them And all six of them are going to be presenting Either from home Or or in Nashville For the Strange Realities Conference 2021 Uh, Tickets are still available we do have some room left for $70 tickets in person, and if you are in Nashville, but keep in mind uh, that we are checking the vaccination, or we also would take a test within 72 hours. So
4: A negative one.
2: A negative one, yeah, yeah. just to be specific, so uh, we are getting pretty close to the day. Uh, how you feel about it?
4: I feel really good. Uh, we got a little bit of details to iron out, but besides that, uh, the venue is pretty much ready to go. Um, we are working on uh, the streaming component, and that seems like it's pretty well organized and ready to go now also. Of course, we've got arrangements for guests and transportation, um, I mean for the speakers, and uh yeah i'm feeling pretty confident about it i just hope that uh, as many people as possible can join us because guys you don't want to miss this
2: yeah this is going to be a powerhouse um, of many different kinds of presentations and uh, you guys are not going to get a get what it's like at your typical yeah i think paranormal conference
4: we are just kind of talking about that, how we're providing freedom uh, to these speakers to be able to really talk about and explore things that they're passionate about and may not get to talk about in other forums. Um, You know, this is to a a highly educated audience, very familiar with the topics. So just like on the show, we can let them take a real deep dive. And uh, I think you guys are going to really appreciate that.
2: All right. Well, without further ado, I think we'll close out. Uh, guys, we still do have Patreon. Um, if you guys have wanted to come join us on Patreon, Surfiel can tell, us how, tell you how to sign up on there. You can
4: check all the different options and orders we offer membership for on there on patreon.com slash conspiranormal. We're going to be having our last Mystic crew meeting uh, before the holidays and the conference here coming up. Uh, That should be like a uh, preview uh, that will already have taken place by the time this comes out. So hopefully that was a blast. And you guys got a preview of what's going on uh, for the $10 Nut patrons Uh, for $5. And up, you get a special episode every week, exclusive that no one else gets. And at the $20 level, you get an exclusive t-shirt and a secret experience at the Strange Realities Conference.
2: Yeah, you might uh, get to meet an ascended master at the Strange Realities conference. You never you never know what might happen. All right guys, that's it. Uh, we will conclude by saying strangerealitiesconference.com dot, dot October 15th through 17th in Nashville, Tennessee and online. Tickets for online are $30. Get them while they're still hot. All right, take care. We'll be back with more speakers next week on Conspiracy Normal.